Section twenty nine of Fairy Tales Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kelly England. Fairy Tales Every Child Should Know. Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Section twenty nine The Light Princess. George MacDonald. Part two. Chapter four where is she one fine summer day a month after these her first adventures during which time she had been very carefully watched the princess was lying on the bed in the queen's own chamber fast asleep one of the windows was open for it was noon and the day was so sultry that the little girl was wrapped in nothing less ethereal than slumber itself the queen came into the room and not observing that the baby was on the bed, opened another window. A frolicsome fairy wind, which had been watching for a chance of mischief, rushed in at the one window, and taking its way over the bed where the child was laying, caught her up, and rolling and floating her along, like a piece of flue or a dandelion seed, carried her with it through the opposite window and away. The queen went downstairs, quite ignorant of the loss, she had herself occasioned when the nurse returned she supposed that her majesty had carried her off and dreading a scolding delayed making inquiry about her but hearing nothing she grew uneasy and went at length to the queen's boudoir where she found her majesty please your majesty shall i take the baby said she where is she asked the queen please forgive me i know it was wrong what do you mean said the queen looking grave oh don't frighten me your majesty exclaimed the nurse clasping her hands the queen saw that something was amiss and fell down in a faint the nurse rushed about the palace screaming my baby my baby everyone ran to the queen's room but the queen could give no orders they soon found out however that the princess was missing and in a moment the palace was like a beehive in a garden and in one moment more the queen was brought to herself by a great shout and a clapping of hands they had found the princess fast asleep under a rose-bush to which the elfish little wind-puff had carried her finishing its mischief by shaking a shower of red rose-leaves all over the little white sleeper startled by the noise the servants made she woke and furious with glee scattered the rose-leaves in all directions like a shower of spray in the sunset she was watched more carefully after this no doubt yet it would be endless to relate all the odd incidents resulting from this peculiarity of the young princess but there never was a baby in a house not to say a palace that kept the household in such constant good humour at least below stairs if it was not easy for her nurses to hold her at least she made neither their arms nor their hearts ache and she was so nice to play at ball with there was positively no danger of letting her fall they might throw her down or knock her down or push her down but they couldn't let her down it is true they might let her fly into the fire or the coal hole or through the window but none of these accidents had happened as yet if you heard peals of laughter resounding from some unknown region you might be sure enough of the cause going down into the kitchen or the room you would find james and thomas 
robert and susan all and some playing at ball with the little princess she was the ball herself and did not enjoy it less for that away she went flying from one to another screeching with laughter and the servants loved the ball itself better than the game but they had to take some care how they threw her for if she received an upward direction she would never come down again without being fetched chapter five what is to be done but above stairs it was different one day for instance after breakfast the king went into his counting-house and counted out his money the operation gave him no pleasure to think said he to himself that every one of these gold sovereigns weighs a quarter of an ounce and my real live flesh-and-blood princess weighs nothing at all and he hated his gold sovereigns as they lay with a broad smile of self-satisfaction all over their yellow faces the queen was in the parlor eating bread and honey but at the second mouthful she burst out crying and could not swallow it the king heard her sobbing glad of anybody but especially of his queen to quarrel with he clashed his gold sovereigns into his money-box clapped his crown on his head and rushed into the parlor what is all this about exclaimed he what are you crying for queen i can't eat it said the queen looking ruefully at the honey-pot no wonder retorted the king you've just eaten your breakfast two turkey legs and three anchovies oh that's not it sobbed her majesty it's my child my child well what's the matter with your child she's neither up the chimney nor down the draw-well just hear her laughing yet the king could not help a sigh which he tried to turn into a cough saying it is a good thing to be light-hearted i am sure whether she be ours or not it is a bad thing to be light-headed answered the queen looking with prophetic soul far into the future tis a good thing to be light-handed said the king tis a bad thing to be light-fingered answered the queen tis a good thing to be light-footed said the king tis a bad thing began the queen but the king interrupted her in fact he said with the tone of one who concludes an argument in which he has had only imaginary opponents and in which therefore he has come off triumphant in fact it is a good thing altogether to be light-bodied but it is a bad thing altogether to be light-minded retorted the queen who was beginning to lose her temper this last answer quite discomfited his majesty who turned on his heel and betook himself to his counting-house again but he was not halfway towards it when the voice of the queen overtook him and it is a bad thing to be light-haired screamed the queen determined to have more last words now that her spirit was rused the queen's hair was black as night and the king's had been and his daughter's was golden as morning but it was not this reflection on his hair that arrested him it was the double use of the word light for the king hated all witticisms and punning especially and besides he could not tell whether the queen meant light-haired or light-aired for why might she not aspirate her vowels when she was exasperated herself he turned upon his other heel and rejoined her she looked angry still because she knew that she was guilty or what was much the same knew that he thought so my dear queen he said duplicity of any sort is exceedingly objectionable between married people of any rank not to say kings and queens 
and the most objectionable form duplicity can assume is that of punning there said the queen i have never made a jest but i broke it in the making and i am the most unfortunate woman in the world she looked so rueful that the king took her in his arms and they sat down to consult can you bear this said the king no i can't said the queen well what is to be done said the king i'm sure i don't know said the queen but might you not try an apology to my old sister i suppose you mean said the king yes said the queen well i don't mind said the king so he went the next morning to the house of the princess and making a very humble apology begged her to undo the spell but the princess declared with a grave face that she knew nothing at all about it her eyes however shone pink which was a sign that she was happy she advised the king and queen to have patience and to mend their ways the king returned disconsolate the queen tried to comfort him we will wait till she is older she may then be able to suggest something herself she will at least know how she feels and explain things to us but what if she should marry exclaimed the king in sudden consternation of the idea well what of that rejoined the queen just think if she were to have children in the course of a hundred years the air might be as full of floating children as of gossamers in autumn but that's no business of ours replied the queen besides by that time they will have learned to take care of themselves a sigh was the king's only answer he would have consulted the court physicians but he was afraid they would try experiments upon her chapter six she laughs too much meantime notwithstanding awkward occurrences and griefs that she brought upon her parents the little princess laughed and grew not fat but plump and tall she reached the age of seventeen without having fallen into any worse scrape than a chimney by rescuing her from which a little bird-nesting urchin got fame and a black face nor thoughtless as she was had she committed anything worse than laughter at everybody and everything that came her way when she was told for the sake of experiment that general clanrenfort was cut into pieces with all of his troops she laughed and when she heard that the enemy was on his way to besiege her father's capital she laughed hugely but when she was told that the city would certainly be abandoned to the mercy of the enemy's soldiery why then she laughed immoderately she never could be brought to see the serious side of anything when her mother cried she said what queer faces mamma makes and she squeezes water out of her cheeks funny mamma and when her papa stormed at her she laughed and danced round and round him clapping her hands and crying do it again papa do it again it's such fun dear funny papa and if he tried to catch her she glided from him in an instant not in the least afraid of him but thinking it part of the game not to be caught with one push of her foot she would be floating in the air above his head or she would go dancing backwards and forwards and sideways like a great butterfly it happened several times when her father and mother were holding a consultation about her in private that they were interrupted by vainly repressed outbursts of laughter over their heads and looking up with indignation saw her floating at full length in the air above them whence she regarded them with the most comical appreciation of the position one day an awkward accident happened 
the princess had come out upon the lawn with one of her attendants who held her by the hand spying her father at the other side of the lawn she snatched her hand from the maids and sped across to him now when she wanted to run alone her custom was to catch up a stone in each hand so that she might come down again after a bound whatever she wore as part of her attire had no effect in this way even gold when it thus became as it were part of herself lost all of its weight for the time but whatever she only held in her hands retained its downward tendency on this occasion she could see nothing to catch up but a huge toad that was walking across the lawn as if he had a hundred years to do it in not knowing what disgust meant for this was one of her peculiarities she snatched up the toad and bounded away she had almost reached her father and he was holding out his arms to receive her and take from her lips the kiss which hovered on them like a butterfly on a rosebud when a puff of wind blew her aside into the arms of a young page who had just been receiving a message from his majesty now it was no great peculiarity in the princess that once she was set a-going it always cost her time and trouble to check herself on this occasion there was no time she must kiss and she kissed the page she did not mind it much for she had no shyness in her composition and she knew besides that she could not help it so she only laughed like a musical box the poor page fared the worst for the princess trying to correct the unfortunate tendency of the kiss put out her hands to keep off the page so that along with the kiss he received on the other cheek a slap with the huge black toad which she poked right into his eye he tried to laugh too but the attempt resulted in such an odd contortion of countenance as showed that there was no danger of his pluming himself on the kiss as for the king his dignity was greatly hurt and he did not speak to the page for a whole month i may here remark that it was very amusing to see her run if her mode of progression could properly be called running for first she would make a bound then having alighted she would run a few steps and make another bound sometimes she would fancy she had reached the ground before she actually had and her feet would go backwards and forwards running upon nothing at all like those of a chicken on its back then she would laugh like the very spirit of fun only in her laugh there was something missing what it was i find myself unable to describe i think it was a certain tone depending upon the possibility of sorrow morbidezza perhaps she never smiled end of section twenty nine recording by kelly england